Rob, thanks for those songs. Um, those last two songs pretty much cover uh, my sermon today. Um, the, the, the surrender of our lives to God and seeking Him to be the source of our love, of our impact on others, of, of our hope, our trust. Um, it, is, it is an amazing, uh, amazing thing. So thank you, Rob. Uh, those are just perfectly chosen songs. We're going to be looking at uh, the first seven verses of Philemon. Let me just read that again. Um, as Paul has written it, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to, to Philemon. And again, we do. We brought the Bibles with us here outside, so if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to go grab one from the back um, and uh, use that today. If you need, if you would like to take it home with you, you're certainly welcome uh, to do that. So it says here, Paul writes, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church that meets in your house. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray, pray that the, the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because of the hearts, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon was most likely a citizen of the city of Colossae. Um, we don't know that for certain, uh, but the, uh, the, the, the hints that are given to us here in Scripture, both in this letter as well as in the letter to the Colossians, uh, seem to indicate that, that that is where, that's the city where Philemon was, was from. Um, this is an amazing letter, and, and we're only able to glean kind of hints of who Philemon was, of who this servant Onesimus was. Um, but but as, we, as we look deeper, we, we have an opportunity of, of piecing together this amazing story, uh, this, this grand story of, of forgiveness and grace. That, that not only is, is sent out to, to those who are, who are good to us, who love us, but even to those who are hurtful, those that take advantage of us um, in so many ways. This, this passage is, is often used to accuse Christianity and Paul that, that, that he never spoke out against slavery. Um, We're not going to get into that today so much. We're going to talk about that next week. 
um, about Onesimus. Uh, but I think that as we look at this passage, the very opposite is actually true here. Um, that Paul is, is reframing Roman society in a, in a very, very different way. Uh, the, the role of slavery, and I'm not going to get into this this week, so I'm just going to touch on this, but, but the role of slavery in the Roman society was an important part of the, the success of, of that particular uh, society. But it was, there were, there were uh, abuses, there were, there were hurtful things that were a part of it. And, and Paul is, is taking this that, that has been used by the Romans for years and years and years to, to build up their society. He's taking it and putting it on his head. As is so often the case through Scripture, that, that we see Christ and, and, and his followers presenting to us this upside down world. Uh, these things that, that our world says this is the way it should be. Uh, the world is successful at, at moving and in, 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 in using these kinds of means and, and, and uh, accomplishing different things. Uh, but Christ comes in and says that love is the most important, is the center of it all. And he takes these things, uh, these uh, aspects of our culture and turns them on their head. Um, some of the things that we can glean about Philemon, about who he was. Um, he was obviously a leader in, in, the, in the church, at least. Probably also likely a leader in the community at some, some degree. Um, we read about him. Uh, the, the, the assumption is that, that Apphia would be his, his wife that also uh, has this home that the church in Colossae was meeting in. Um, Archippus um, was likely, could be part of the family, could have been a part of, of Philemon's family, but was likely uh, the, the, the pastor or one of the elders that was there in that particular church. Um, it's interesting that while this letter is addressed specifically to these individuals, it is also expanded to the whole church. Now as we've, we've read it here, you can imagine that, that by expanding it beyond just that family, speaking to the, just that family, there were implications that Paul was trying to do within the church as a whole. This letter was not intended just to be for Philemon, but it was intended for the whole church to hear these words, to be shaken out of some of their own ideas of what was right, of how things should be. But also it would have been putting pressure on, on Philemon a little bit as well to, to actually follow through with um, the recommendations and the, the, the requests that Paul makes here uh, to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. Um, the fact that we have this letter today also helps us to understand that this was a letter that got circulated widely in the Christian church. That this was one of the documents that helped form and shape the ideas that the, the people of God had there within that first century. Uh, that's the way the Bible was, was collected, was 
these different texts that were being written, letters that were being sent to all these different churches, those that had the, the greatest impact on the life of the church were the ones that, that over time became kind of the standard, the expectation that these were the ones that had the most value for speaking into the life of the church, to, to help shape the culture and the nature of, of church life. There was, there was never any group of people that kind of went through and said, which ones should we all put in? It, it was just the the movement of the church that, that they recognized that these were the ones, these were the documents that were being used by the majority of churches and was accepted as the canon, the measuring stick for what the, the Christian faith was going to be built on. And so the fact that this is a part of our canon, part of our New Testament Bible, is testimony that this was something that that circulated widely amongst many communities. It wasn't just held within the church of Colossae or just within Philemon and his family, but it was sent out and and had impact on the church abroad. As we read through this passage, we uh, this and as well as the the uh, the letter to Colossians. There is some indicators that Paul actually was never in Colossae. In his letter to Colossians, he writes uh, some of the keys that we see that he didn't have any personal connection with the people that were there, that he had never been there, that uh, some of the passages uh, speak about how uh, he had heard of them, uh, those that he had never met. Those are some of the the key points in in the letter to the Colossians. So, uh, most scholars would accept the fact that Paul likely had never gone to Colossians, but he had close contact with an individual who had planted the church there in that place. His name was Epiphras, and we, we read about him here in, in this letter to Philemon as well, that, that Epiphras, my, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. When we read in Colossians, it seems that, that Epaphras has had a significant influence on the life of the church there in Colossae. And as Paul has gotten to know Epaphras and heard about this church, that's why he sent that letter and why he connected with, with, that, uh, with those individuals. But at the same time, we, we see that, that Paul, from this letter, did have personal connection with Philemon. We don't understand where exactly that might have happened, but it says here, when, when Paul writes that in verse 19, he says that, that you owe your very self to me, that, that we understand that Paul was, had a significant role in the conversion of Philemon to Christianity. And so there was this close personal contact. And as you read this letter, you see the love and the, the connection that the two have together. So that helps us understand that Philemon likely was a man of, of means because he was able to, to travel beyond just his hometown of, of Colossae. And, and we don't know exactly where he might have connected with Paul in some of his uh, uh, church planting or, or uh, some of those other uh, trips that he had taken. But the two of them had, had connected and, and had a, a close personal connection with, with one of them, with, with uh, Philemon specifically. What else do we know about Philemon? And that's what I want to focus on here. Philemon was a man of service. He was a man who, who sought to serve the needs of other people. 
We have a, 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 a gentleman here who was a, a person of means. It was his house that was large enough to house, to, 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 uh, to host all of the church when they would come together on their regular meetings. He was, uh, had, had significant means to be able to travel just beyond his home, hometown and, and to, uh, to connect with Paul beyond just the, the location here. So he was a man of means, a, a man who was, had influence and, 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 uh, and power within the, the church at least, if not in the community as well. And yet what do we read about him? He says that, that uh, verse 7, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon was a man who sought to serve others. Even though he was in a position of influence, was likely in a position of means, he didn't use that in his life to put himself above others, but rather he sought ways to serve the needs, to refresh the hearts of the saints. Sometimes we get a wrong idea of, of who the saints might be when it's speaking about them here in Scripture. Uh, the saints are those who are the set-apart ones. Those who have been made holy in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we get this idea that they were uh, some, some uh, uh, high rollers in the Christian church. That they were the, the, the powerful ones. They were the ones who were the, the most significant, the leaders in the community. But as we read scripture, uh, the only conclusion that we can come to is that saints are all the followers of Jesus. The most important to the very least. All of us who have surrendered to the work of Jesus Christ in our life, who have put our trust in the sacrifice of Jesus for our salvation, for the cleansing of our sins, to be able to pay the penalty for our offense and rebellion against God. All of us have been set apart we have been made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we all are called saints. So Philemon's service to the saints was not just to an elite few. But he was refreshing the souls of all the saints there in Colossae and likely beyond as well. Paul writes in verse 5, Because I hear of your love for all the saints. He's got a progression here, doesn't he? He says, Their love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and all the saints. That is an important delineation of hierarchy in our affections, in our love. That first, we love God. And then next is we love the brothers and sisters within the Christian church. We love the saints of God, those that have been called by Christ Jesus. And, and through that love, we then love the world. We extend that love towards, towards others. I, I think that's an important 
delineation that Paul is, is highlighting here, and it's important for us as well to recognize that for us to be able to love each other, we first need to have that love for God. That is the, the primary relationship that we need to have in the, in, in set up in our lives is that relationship with God of, of being made new in Jesus Christ. But when we love God, he then puts within us a love for the saints, for the brothers and sisters in the, in the church. And, and, and it is so good for us to be connected to one another. Jesus said that that, that is the primary characteristic of his followers, that, that his children, his, his brothers and sisters would be recognized as his disciples because of their love for one another. Jesus, that was the, the new command that he made, that you must love one another even as I have loved you. And, and John picks up that in his, in his letter and, and uh, becomes the very theme of his letter. How can you love God if you don't love your brother? Our love for one another is a reflection of our love for God and is sourced out of our love for God that get, then gets turned out to, to one another. It is important for the Christian church to be focused on the world and to, to love the world beyond us. But if that becomes more important than our love for one another, we're never going to be effective in our witness and our testimony to the world. Our first priority is to love one another so that we are then able to extend that love to others. And, and Philemon was characterized as a man who loved the saints, who refreshed the hearts of the saints. I actually learned something as I was going through this study this week. Uh, there is uh, verse 6, is one that I've always kind of looked at as talking about our evangelistic ex, um, exercises of, of sharing our faith with people outside of the church. It says here, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Uh, but when you look at the, the Greek um, words that are being used there, the, the word for sharing is not telling other people of our faith. It is the koinonia of our faith, the sharing, the mutual expression and fellowship that we have with one another because of our faith in Christ Jesus. This is speaking about the importance of us as the body of Christ meeting together, of loving one another, of sharing together vulnerably with each other. In order for us to know Christ fully. That's something for us to hear this morning. There is, there is a, a movement within the Christian church today, and um, you know I hear it quite often when I interact with people on the internet, talking about the hurts that they have had within the church, 
The times that the people within the church have, have undermined them, have, have let them down, have taken advantage of them. And how they, they no longer are connected to any church, but they find connection to God in other ways. This, this passage is saying that, that in order for us to have a full assurance of our faith in Christ Jesus, our full understanding of the knowledge of who He is, the, the full experience of relationship with Him, that can only come in the koinonia, in the, the vulnerable sharing that we would have of our faith together with other Christians. Let me read that again. I pray that the koinonia, the fellowship of your faith, may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. When we isolate ourselves from the rest of the body of Christ, we put ourselves in a dangerous place. We are easily deceived and, and, and twisted. And it doesn't take very much for us to get a little bit off-center and suddenly moving in a very wrong direction. People very close to me, I have seen this in their life, where they've made the decision that, that they, only, they only need the Bible and the Holy Spirit and they will know all that they need to know about God. And over time, some of these little thoughts, these little ideas that they have get them slowly and, and, and further and further away from the truth of what Scripture says. And, and suddenly, they are way off in left field talking about things that, that don't make any sense from Scripture. But that's because they get away from the koinonia, the fellowship of sharing our faith together with each other. Our connection here is so important, not only for me as an individual, for me to be able to hold fast to my faith, but also for the influence and the opportunity that I have to help each of you and what you have to help me. There is a, a connectedness that each one of us brings a piece of our understanding of God. And as we share that together, suddenly we have this bigger understanding of who God is. E each of us is limited. We can only go through so many experiences ourselves. And, and our understanding and experience with God is only so big. But when you and I sit down and we start talking together about who Christ is in our lives, suddenly our experience is expanded because your experience with Christ informs me in experiences that I've never had. And when we gather together as believers, as followers of Christ, and share with one another, we expand each other's understanding of who God is. And that's why Paul says, that we will become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. We need each other. God has given you experiences, gifts, and skills that the rest of the body of Christ needs in order to have a full understanding of who Christ is. 
And if you choose to isolate yourself from the body of Christ, not only are you putting yourself at danger, but you are also robbing the rest of us of that piece of understanding the full nature of who Jesus Christ is. That's why we have the, the gifts of the Spirit. Each one of us has been given a gift, and, and Paul writes in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about how as the body of Christ, each one is gifted for the building up of the saints. Each one of us has a role to play in the life of the church. Each one of us has a, a specific piece of the puzzle that we bring to help understand who Jesus Christ is. And each one of us needs to be intentional about the way that we use that gift to be just like Philemon was, refreshing the hearts of the saints. It is good to gather together here on Sundays. Uh, to, to sing the songs, to hear the word, uh, to, to, to talk with one another. But if our intention of coming here on Sunday morning is just to be fed, we're missing the power of what this time together can have. Rather, each of us should come not only to be nurtured and fed in our own faith, but, but also to find ways that we can be using our gifts to refresh and to, to love the hearts of the saints. What peace do you bring that Christ has put in your heart that you can use here in this place to refresh the hearts of the saints? Let me go beyond that. If our expectation that, that being a part of the body only happens on Sunday morning, we are also robbing the body of its full measure of understanding in Christ. Our connection as the body of Christ goes beyond just what happens here on Sunday morning. But it, it, it moves throughout the week for us to find ways that we can refresh the hearts of the saints through the spiritual gifts that God has given us. I love this church. I love the people that God has brought together here. And, and, and I see this happening all the time. The, uh, the gathering that, that Mike and Stephanie organized yesterday of going out to the lake and then over to their place was, was an example of, of somebody using their spiritual gift to refresh the hearts of the saints. Uh, the work that that uh, that Mike and 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 Kirsten and and the Mulleters uh, do to to create these work bees and those of you that go and help and participate where we go to somebody's house and and uh, uh, pound in some fence posts or, or 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 chop some wood or or different things that we can do in different people's houses to to bless one another. That is examples of refreshing the hearts of the saints. The, the work that, that, that the Powells do on, on our behalf of, of uh, connecting with those that are hurting, uh, those that are sick. Uh, the ways that they, uh, that they invite people into their home to pray with them, to, uh, to 
extend their wisdom and experience into, into different people's lives who are going through struggles. What a wonderful blessing that we have of, of the Powells being a part of our congregation and refreshing the hearts of the saints through those things. The work that, that Wendy does of, of keeping us all tied in and uh, to, through the communication of sending out the email and, and reminding us of people's birthdays and all those kinds of things. Those are all examples of how we use the gifts that God has given us to refresh the hearts of the saints. But let me encourage you that, that we can't just sit back on our laurels and say, look at all the good things that we're doing. We need to be growing more and more to, to seeking out how God would lead us to be like Philemon for ways that we can use those gifts that he has given us to share into the hearts of other people. The songs that, that Rob picked were perfect. That, that song of take my life, that needs to be our, our focus. That needs to be our, our position in crisis, is to lay that before Christ. Because for any of us to be able to, to fulfill that role of refreshing the hearts of the saints, we need God's work in us. That's why he is the king of our hearts. It's in that act of surrender that he comes in, that he shows us how he wants us to use the gifts that he has given us to be a part of this body of Christ, to, to play the part that he has intended for us to play in meeting the needs of people. We can worship together and say, the king of my heart is leading me to live out my role, my part that I play within this body. Let me challenge you this week to prayerfully consider what are the ways that God is calling you to use your spiritual gifts to refresh the hearts of the saints. Let me say that if it's something that you would be able to do on your own without the Holy Spirit's help, uh, that's probably not all that he is calling you to. If it's going to be something that is comfortable and fits within your own calendar, your schedule and everything that you're already doing, it's probably not all that he has for you. Spirit is going to lead you into something that goes beyond your own abilities to be able to carry out. Where you will need him to empower you, to lead and guide you if you are able to accomplish that which he has called you to. But as you surrender to his will and, and you, you follow where the spirit leads you, seeking his empowerment, There is no telling the ways that he will use you to refresh and to love the hearts of the saints.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the examples that Jesus set for us of what it means to love others. The examples of, of others in Scripture who have blazed the trails for us to be able to understand and know what you are calling us to. Lord, we thank you for your Spirit that works in our hearts and, and reveals to us what it is that you want us to do. That it's through the Spirit that you empower us to accomplish your tasks. I pray, Lord, that, that in this week, that as we as a people intentionally seek out where you are leading us to serve and to love others, Pray, God, that we would hear clearly from you. That we would allow your spirit to break down those barriers that we have built up over the years. That we would be able to step by faith outside of our comfort zones and seek to, to make a difference in the lives of our people. And as we continue to love one another through your empowering, that we would then be able to, as a people, send that love out to our world who so desperately needs you and is desperately looking for your hope and your love in their lives. And as that happens here in this place, we will give you all of the honor and glory, knowing that it is only because you have done this that we've been able to meet those needs, that we've been able to refresh the hearts of the saints. Guide us in that here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.